you really can't go off on a development journey unless you have clarity about where you're trying to get. And then the leadership has to weigh in on, here's the plan to help you get there. That's targeted for this. And so Adam Grant said, hmm. you're not a high performer if you don't make other people better. So it's like the leader then is somebody who fosters the greatness in the individual but the, for the strength of the team. Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. This week's episode features a conversation with Michael Polidoris. Michael joined Hub International in 2020 as a senior consultant on the HRCS team. Michael partners with his clients on HR strategy, talent and performance management, organizational design and structure, executive coaching and employee development, and helps them build high-performing teams. Prior to Hub, Michael was an HR and management consultant for ADP, working with their largest national PEO clients. Michael has also held multiple director roles in HR, finance, and operations with several Chicago marketing and creative technology agencies. He has served on the board of directors of Chicago nonprofits and is currently president of the board of the nonprofit animal rescue, Alive Rescue. We're excited to sit down and talk with him. Before we get started, please take a moment to like and subscribe to the Good Athlete Podcast. Be sure to share after giving it a listen. We appreciate your support and hope you enjoy. Team versus individual, largely. Yeah, and I think that that really plays into the notion of, as a leader, what is our responsibility? You know, I, I think we can look at people in a singular manner if we're talking about, like, mentorship right? Or, or succession planning development or things like that. I get that. But the thing that I was thinking about is there are so many companies, most companies, and if they have values and they're stenciled on the wall and they're in their email signature, right? What is one of those values? It's, it's teamwork, right? We espouse the importance of teamwork. Like we're all a team here. And then they only reward individuals. And I think that's really interesting. And I'll make the analogy, if if I'm running uh, an eight at the head of the Charles and mm -hmm. they win the whole damn thing, but I only give one medal to the strongest rower, how is that team gonna do next year? Right. I mean, are those people even gonna show up next year? Ooh, that. And for, the, for those who don't know, the head of the Charles, like, I don't know if you'd equate it to the Super Bowl of rowing, but it's certainly the most unique and incredible uh, crew rowing event that I've seen. And Yeah, yeah. And I think it's one of the things where it's it's probably most indicative of, like, how a team needs to be in sync with each other. Yeah. Right? Because there are certain strengths and weaknesses that create the whole package of performance. But you can't simply say one person made this the winning boat. Uh, without think, question yeah and so i think it's really interesting for for companies to look at performance reviews and and how they're how they're how they're rewarding people and developing them as individuals but the success is always in the team yeah that's so good and 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 the performance review thing is is pretty interesting because you know the, i we've got a pretty concrete theory and that is you'll see more of what you track and reward. And it's as, and, and both of those things matter. It's simple enough. You know, we think about, if you think about with athletes, 
oftentimes we'll give a wellness screen alongside performance measures. So, you know, how many hours are you sleeping? What's the consistency mm-hmm. of your nutrition and intentionality and in, in, in broadly speaking, just like healthy decision-making. Well, the, the, the first goal of that for us is just by tracking it, we're suggesting that we want more, you know, this is important. We're highlighting this. And then by rewarding it, you know, you re- you're rewarding something that's good for both ends for the individual and the team, but I'm with you hundred percent. You've, uh, and, and tell us how, like, how could that go wrong? It may be obvious enough, but where can well, you see that going I think, wrong? I mean, we all talk about, you know, toxic environments or toxic leadership. Yep. And I think it's really important to actually define that. And I think one of the definitions of toxic environment is that team wins are not celebrated at the team level. Hmm. Team wins are celebrated at the individual level. And there's naturally a pecking order. And, and, and so who rises to the top of that? The ball hogs, mm-hmm. you know, the, you know, the guys, the extroverts. Yep. And, you know, for any of us who have been on a class project, we all know what it looks like when we're putting it together. And then we all know what it looks like when you stand up and get your award from your, you know, finance professor. And the one person steps forward to take credit for the whole thing. Right. I don't want to work with that. No. Again. No, it's so it's so interesting because I, I I think this is in so many ways the work that you and I are doing in all the variety of areas that we're doing it is how do we maximize the individual in service of the team? And and that's that's a tricky, it's a tricky thing. We've heard all sorts of ideas. Your people uh in team sports, the collegiate level, professional, and sometimes even in the Olympics, who almost lose their sense of self because they're so committed to the team or to the to the effort or pursuit of a gold medal. Mm-hmm. Fair enough, that's something to recognize too. But you're talking about the under the the other end of that, which is probably more obvious to the general consumer of information. I brought this up the other day, Michael. I wonder if this would resonate. I was at a workshop talking about the value of coherence and shared understanding when two people are talking rather than one person getting a message across, you know, like you could be as accurate with your messaging as, as anyone could ever be, but if it's not received, you know, then, then so what you got to try again, you know, you, you have to reform it. And one of the people in the audience brought up quarterback receiver. I like this now, but coming back to your point, unfortunately, because of the, I would say the the uh, the the capitalism of 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 attention that we see in social media, uh, you 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 don't always need a completed pass, like you were saying. If you're if you're a ball hog doing what's right for you, or if you are, you know, we actually came up on that day as well. If you're a big arm QB trying to get recorded, or trying to get recorded, trying to get uh, a good pass, trying to get your ability recorded for sake of film distribution and getting a college opportunity, then maybe whether or not the guy catches the pass is irrelevant that, you know, that's possible, but you did, but you, man, did you air it out? You know? Um, So that's, I think that's super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how many athletes think about themselves as is the end goal to have the best highlight reel or is the end goal to have the best relationships with your team or is it to be thought of as somebody who, fosters excellence at the team level right and i've been thinking about these two quotes i was listening to some of my favorite Mm -hmm. um leadership nerds and so adam grant said uh he said 
and I love this. We were talking about, he was talking about performance reviews and, and identifying individuals who are strong, but at the expense of everybody else. He said, mm. you're not a high performer if you don't make other people better. Wow. Full stop. Full stop. And I think that's a really important thing in, 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 in say somebody's a leader on the team. Like, what does that mean to be a leader on the team? The, the, the soccer team, the creative team, the home life team. If you're not making everyone else around you better and lifting them up in their skill sets, you're not a high performer. I don't care what you've accomplished. You're not a high performer if you're not making other people better. What does it say about me if if I got the chills hearing that? What does that say? That I think you're, you understand the importance of the team over the individual. Yeah, that's incredible. I like yeah, that. Yeah, I think that's lot. one of the best quotes. And yeah. then this other one, same, the same conversation with Simon Sinek, who I love because we wear check shirts and have the appropriate <laughs> Yeah. Right? Uh, he said, so many organizations use data to describe high-performing teams to create high-performing individuals. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. What makes a high-performing team is team ethic, not a drive for individual performance or recognition. And I will underscore that with, if you're an individual and you're being rewarded on your own individual performance and recognition, that that environment is not concerned with team excellence. Yeah. Wow. I mean, what do the Marines do? You know, they get somebody who's, you know, six, five and runs the 440 and is a, is a crack shot and all that stuff. And they break that guy down. Yeah. And why do they do that? So he gels with the rest of the team. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. I hope people, I hope people hear that. That's so that's so important. We see uh, in, in any sector, athletics, business, you even brought it mm-hmm. off and, and put it into the, like a family system or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So important. I, I follow up question to that. How do you reconcile the, the importance of making every individual feel valued with prioritizing the team over the individual? Well, I wonder if it has something to do with the, the focus you give on individual development and, and, and interest in that person, right? Yeah. So you know, if, if we're on a team together and our goal is to make our, you know, our, we're, we're a paddle team, right? And so we have, it's not about one person or the other, like the excellence of the team is, is the median. But if we have a coach who spends a lot of time with you to work on your screen work, like that's developing the individual for the betterment of the team. It's not saying like, Jim, you're the superstar. It's like, here's, here's, here's your personalized interest and development. And for me, like, I need you to work on your placement on the court. Mm. Right. That's so it's like the leader then is somebody who fosters the greatness in the individual, but the, for the strength of the team. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a dichotomy there. No, I don't think so either. That was, that was, uh, that was searching for your language on it. Not, not any sort of belief other than it was absolutely yeah. possible and necessary. And, and I think that's a really good way to do it. Um, so I, I think I'm hearing you say you, you can highlight and develop individual pursuit of excellence, but, but it almost comes to, you know, there, there are tiers, there's orders of, orders of magnitude here. And maybe someone's got to be sure that I'm going to bring it back to sports that the left guard 
is uh, being highlighted and developed and, and uh, appreciated and supported as an individual, mm-hmm. but within their very specific skill set that obviously also serves the team. You're not just a cog in the wheel. You're incredibly important. And, and hey, you, incredibly important person, I need you to do this on this play because that person beside you is doing something similar enough and it allows, yeah. I would say, I mean, you've probably seen this and I'd ask anybody, you know, watching this, are the workouts for your center and your place kicker the same? Right. Well, of course not. Right. Right. Is one better than the other? Is one more important than the other? Well, during a certain, during a game, one might be way more important than anybody else, but in the season, in the practice, like, no. And I think that's the approach. Totally. That's really good. That's, that's a great comparison too. And, and then just on a human level, that's just, you know, the, I don't want to be overly silly about it or, or, or draw the metaphor out too far, but the, the parallels, the similarities between a, a, a sport like football, which has 11 component pieces operating as one and any sort of business or operation, you know, that you'd want to pull off so darn similar. And and the care for the individual, I think, and referencing some of those names that you already threw out there, Simon and Adam there, um, I think everyone would agree that the care for the individual has to be the undergirder of all of this. So mm-hmm. you say like, are, are, is one more valuable than the other? I think of that in, in multiple levels also. On, on the most basic and fundamental level, no, like every single one of you is so incredibly valued valuable to us, to the team, just as a human. And then we can build upon that. And here's, here's how we're going to develop you in this important role. And, and when kicker, when your time is called, and and this is actually a really, that's kind of an interesting idea. If the kicker doesn't feel valued when his or her time is called, you know, and and they're just an afterthought on the team. If you're only interested in performance, that's probably not the best recipe for them to perform. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. And, and, you know, that's why they don't give rings to just one person, right? When who do they give rings to? Yeah. Like literally everybody in the organization gets it. Yeah. If, if they can afford it, Michael, that's funny that you say that. So this is, I'm going to build on that. I happen to, I go back and forth uh, on this because I do like trophies. I don't know how else to say it. Like I yeah, want, sure. I've got a competitive streak. I want to win. I want the ring. The ring has to be a representation of the process. In fact, you know that we work with some, some teams who you were all familiar with. And, mm-hmm. and uh, we are very careful to, once something is accomplished, say it's a massive KPI, something that we've had on our minds for, for ages, we want to hit this, uh, or, or, or a series, you know, we're raising a certain amount of money and we get to celebrate together, or, uh, or we win a, a championship ring whatever it may be, mm-hmm. I think it is so important to then uh, pause and I think elevate it, celebrate what it stands for, not what it is on its own in the moment. So yeah. like a championship yeah. ring is a representation of who knows how many, you know, countless hours of, of work and, mm-hmm. and uh, a really diligent process come to fruition. So, but yeah, so everyone does that. And I don't want to hog the mic. I just have to say this. <laughs> the, uh, there are, there was, uh, we went to uh, a Cubs game, my dad, my brother-in-law and law and myself. And we went to a Cubs game shortly after they had won the world series the next season, I think. Yeah. And of course the Cubs have, a, have deeper pockets than most other organizations, but I think any professional organization is similar in this way. The, the gentleman who was uh, walking around with, you know, a, a 
beer, a platform of beer, selling beer to people. He had been there for like 20 years and he was dedicated to the Cubs experience. And he's walking around there. And this is 2017 now, probably with a championship ring. Mm-hmm. You know, the person who sells tickets and fills the stands, that person gets a ring. The uh, I, Tim Grover, the mindset, uh, you know, character development, mindset, performance enhancement coach. I don't know how often he was called in, but he was with the L.A. Rams last year when they won the Super Bowl. There's just a video online today of him unboxing his ring. Mm-hmm. And so to your point, at the pinnacle of these pursuits, those groups recognize that each piece is important, whether it's the person throwing the game winning touchdown or the guy creating a good fan experience, whatever it may be. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's a really interesting thing for leaders to think about too, because so often in sports and business and whatever, the win is such so small, a percentage of an advantage or fractional of a win that, you know, with the world's best supercomputer and, you know, time travel, you could probably go back and go, that one person that you think doesn't matter, wasn't doing their job or didn't care about it or wasn't in the organization. Yeah. And then could you play forward and say, oh, we lost by, we lost by six points because of this. Yeah. And the chain of events that got you there. I think that's, that's reason to, to be mindful of the team as all encompassing as possible. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that completely. And man, it's, it's hard too. So what advice would you give to a leader who said, I, yeah, I want to do that. Um, how? Because you mentioned the, uh, you know, you put your values up on the wall. Like what are some, what are some methods to bring that idea to life? Well, I think specifically I can, I'd answer it two ways. I think specifically getting back to this notion of how do you, how do you develop the individual for the better of the teams that you have to know the individuals. And if it's, mm-hmm. you know, there's obviously span of control, you know, constraints. So, you know, one leader with five managers and 65 people, I mean, is not going to know everybody, but so that somebody in leadership knows every person to a degree that they can give personal development. Mm-hmm. That's why there's, you know, the team owner, the head coach, the defensive coach, the, you know, special teams coach, all those, right. They, right. it fares down to everybody at least has somebody who can help develop them, know them on a personal and professional level. So I think that's a leader's job to make sure that there's some, some oversight and measurement happening with all their people at every level. That's important. Definitely. And then I think the bigger thing is that clarity, clarity, you've got these values have you taken the time to operationalize what the beliefs and the actions of those values are and look like? And so if it's innovation, being really clear to everybody on the team, what does that look like for you? Mm. Oh, I'm always looking for a, a better way to review plays. I'm looking for always for advantages in equipment. I'm always looking for a, a different mindset to bring. Okay, great. That's a value. You've operationalized it into an action or a behavior, and it's been told this is how this is what it looks like. Like, and that's what great leaders do, also, because they're if they don't specifically do that, they make sure that it, it's it's done in the organization. I like that. Do you have any go-to? And I don't mean to put you on the spot. Do you have any go-to methods for that process? Because I have an idea. I just don't want to speak over. Well, I think I think it's I think it's 
getting clear on what your values are is, is an important and hard first step. Got to be so, step one, right? You know, and, and so many people say like, well, this is our value. And then it doesn't pass the sniff test, you know, and that's okay because sure. some values can be aspirational, mm -hmm. right? Sure. We don't look at anything new in this organization, but we want to. So a value we want to have is innovation. Awesome. Yeah. Leadership agrees on it. Like you float it with some people. Great. Get out the spray paint that's going on the wall as a value. Right, right. <laughs> so then I think it takes people at all levels to understand what does that look like in action? What does that right. look like as a behavior? So because it has to be important to permeate the entire organization. Like mm -hmm. somebody who's, you know, the equipment person, somebody at the, the peanut vendor in the mail room, right. the front desk person, what does innovation look like to you? Okay, great. That's agreed upon. Yeah. As a VP, as the you know the C level, as the head coach, we're going to define what it means at your level, what this behavior looks like. Mm -hmm. You know, aligned to that value. Right. And that's when you start. It's almost like a working you know working sessions about that. Okay, Go guys. Ahead. Hey, today we're not going to run scrimmage plays. We're going to talk about what does the value of empathy mean. Uh huh. Great. Great, great question. Okay, empathy is a really, it's a super touchy-feely word, coach. I don't want to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Wrong, wrong. Right. All it means is, can I understand what you need? Yeah. Okay, you're a wide receiver. I'm a strength coach. Yeah. Empathy for me would be, what do you need? What can, what do you, what am I going to deliver to you that you need as opposed to what I'm going to deliver what I think you need? Yeah. So great. good. So good. So great. So we agree upon that. And that's that's the behavior. And then I think it's just a notion of gauging how frequently we do that. Right. So freaking good. And uh, <laughs> I'm really glad that you addressed that because like you hit all the major points that are so relevant to me. <clears throat> what I've seen, I'm sure you've seen the same. In fact, we may have talked about this on our last just casual phone call. The um, the amount of people who get into business or get into sport, whatever, whatever the application is and want to lead there. There's almost like, um, if, if you have not, and I say this in part for the listener who's already on their journey and is not starting from scratch, but if, if you get down the road far enough, there's almost more of a hesitation to come back to the drawing board proverbially mm -hmm. or actually, but I think, but it, but it has to happen, doesn't it? You have to be able to say, uh, you have to be able to say, this is what we're about. This is the, the overarching mission. We think these values are going to ultimately bring to life. Mm -hmm. And this is what it looks like. These are the behaviors. And we're going to hold you accountable to these behaviors. One thing that I really like to do is we call it an MVB document or an MVB, which, which, which has to have an MVB workshop behind it. Mm -hmm. Mission, values, behaviors. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm of full belief that at every call position group for sports, but every department, every vertical within a company, that th they have to have a voice in what the behaviors are. So mm -hmm. if you say uh, at, at MPLLC, uh, we value innovation and we believe it's going to help us achieve this overarching purpose or mission. Uh, I think it's it would be good to bring the folks in who are purely in sales or the the peanut vendors or wh whoever it might be and say, mm -hmm. what does innovation look like in your space? Because I have an instinct, but I really want to hear from you what you think, ultimately to get buy-in and agreement that you know you referred to as well. 
Yeah, I think you're spot on. I think you're spot on. I think I, I would be curious, you know, what's that? When is the revision or the revi revisiting cadence? Well, yeah. what is this? What's your season, right? Do you do it after yeah. every season? Or does yeah. that look like an organization? What does it look like in a soccer team? Or like that might be something that's worth doing. You might not change anything, but right, it's a living, breathing thing. Yep. And again, I think you're right on. The, the question is not whether innovation is an important value and, and needs ascribed behaviors. That's agreed upon. Yep. It's okay to say they look different at different levels. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, my innovation is different than your innovation because, right, you're a CEO and I sell peanuts. And that's okay. They're important values for everybody. You tell me what that should look like. Mm -hmm. I'll let right. you I'll, then we'll gauge you on it. Yeah. And then yeah. And you mentioned earlier, you mentioned um, uh, performance and accountability processes and things like that. I always believe that those can't even, they can't happen until this process has been undertaken. Like, and, until like, I'll be the peanut vendor this time. I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm going to be, uh, you know, if I don't have, uh, you know, I run out of peanuts, but there's still people clamoring for peanuts. I got to be innovative enough and have a plan. I got to duck and move and get to wherever the reserve is and make sure that I bring this to life. And it's not going to, maybe it's not straightforward, but I have to say something to the extent of this is what I intend to do. I want to have a full box. I want to meet the need of the consumer. I want to, whatever it might be. This is yeah. the way, uh, CEO that I'm going to bring innovation to life in my realm. And mm -hmm. only then can you really hold them accountable to that? Uh, you know, how else could you, you know, blindly go into a performance review and say, I don't think we saw enough innovation in you. Uh, you know, I, that would be, you know, you'd have to go on pure, I don't know, you'd have to find some other way to measure it, but if, without including the person who's ultimately going to be held accountable, the accountability processes at large will, will, I think, make people feel uncomfortable. And, and you see that all the time. How many times even in, in yeah. companies, teams, relationships, is one person doing their best or they think they are and not upholding the expectation or standards someone else had for them? Mm -hmm. Fair enough, but maybe they didn't even know it. And we did talk about this before, but it's often those gaps in expectation that create the, the largest amount of frustration within yeah. an organization. So- yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the way to bridge that gap, I think you use the word clarity. I think that's that's exactly what it is. Yeah, I, I like that term. I think that's a pretty important thing. And I, I, I do coach a lot of leaders on asking, you know, when you get to this this question of what's this problem, what is the mm -hmm. biggest problem that's preventing you from moving forward? Ultimately, they, you know, drill down and it comes to a notion of clarity. Right, you know, right. I'm trying all these things, nothing's working. I, I you know, I, hmm. I've got all the resources I need, but I'm not making headway. It's just bailing water. And ultimately, they have to admit to themselves, like, I don't have clarity on where I'm going. Hmm. And well, then of course you can't fix a problem. You don't know whether to, you don't know how to effectively use the resources to end up someplace. You're just driving down the road at 90 miles an hour. And that's great, but you have no, you don't know when you've arrived. Without question, it's it's like driving through fog in in the sense that I, a lack of clarity, and I would I would add to that that a lack of clarity is uh, exacerbated by decreasing bandwidth. So I would mm -hmm. say the more in the thick of it one finds themselves, mm -hmm. the, the absence of clarity makes it just that much harder to 
to work through. And that feels from all directions, like a frustrating situation. Yeah, I think, well, what do leaders do when they don't have clarity? The propensity is then to get into the weeds. I've just got to be like, I've got to be on the floor. I've got to be overseeing this stuff. Like, that's not going to tell you where you need to go. I mean, think about players. If they don't have, if there's not clarity as to what you're trying to achieve, you know, with the team or, you know, some sort of uh, personal breakthrough, you, if you don't have that clarity, then what are you doing? You're just in the gym, like yeah. racking out reps. You're running as much as you can. You're, you know, you're, you're trying everything. And then you're really actually trying nothing, right? Mm. You're, there's no directional, there's no direction for you that way. And so what, what yeah. does that look like clarity wise? Does a good development plan for an athlete have everything in it? No. This is purely a plyometrics and a nutrition plan for you because we know where you need to get. Right. You got to drop some pounds and you've got to work on your explosive speed. Are you referring right. to me specifically? Because I, <laughs> I agree. So yeah, yes. That's what I noticed you're only from the, you know, the the, the elbows up. So I figured that's that might fair be enough. Fair yeah, enough. Right. But I think that's an important thing for, for athletes to think about too. Yeah. Is that you really can't, you really can't go off on a development journey unless you have clarity about where you're trying to get. And then the leadership has to weigh in on, here's the plan to help you get there. That's targeted for this. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. Totally. Does your behavior match your goal? That's the, the, that's, we come back to that all the time. Practical mindfulness. Uh, does yeah. your behavior match your goal? Two pieces to that. We, I feel like I say it on every podcast or every other, but the two p- pieces to that, that make people sometimes uncomfortable I've noticed is uh, it's does your behavior, because I, I think oftentimes we find ourselves in situations and we start pointing, we start pointing fingers, which is totally understandable, but mm-hmm. we're not talking about the context of the situation relevant as it may be. We're talking only about my behavior within it, your behavior. You, it's, so there's an accountability and ownership there. That's the first level of discomfort. People have to gain comfort with. Mm-hmm. And the second part is what we, we've been talking about here, uh, match your goal. It's incredible, maybe not understandable enough, but very frequently people will not be able to clearly articulate what the goal is. And there's no judgment there, but we just mentioned that, you know, the driving through the fog, the lack of clarity, when, when stuff hits the fan, uh, if, you, if you're not clear where you're headed, you're just going to drift. Uh, and that's an uncomfortable place to be, uh, you know, when we, because and that's when I would say I would even go so far as to say that's when you start to erase hope. So if you're in the thick of it, you don't. And I'm thinking purely in business now, you had some early wins, maybe, and you're moving down a road, but you're not totally sure where you're trying to go. And your boss is a jerk or whatever it might be. Uh, and you start to feel lost. Well, you start to lose hope. So what do you do? I, I wrote this down, which you mentioned before there's uh, I've seen you the, just let me do it mindset. Like mm-hmm. say you're, and, and this is an important piece too. If you're elevating through the, 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 the ladder up the ladder of leadership, oftentimes it's because you could perform at one of the lower rungs. So mm-hmm. you find yourself in this, in these sorts of places, there's ambiguity, lack of clarity, frustration. So what do you do? You default to the thing that you already have confidence in. So it's mm-hmm. like, ah, forget it. Just let me do it. You know, and you make the call yourself or, or whatever it may be. So. Yeah. Huge. I think, I think the great looming word over all this conversation, which I can't believe we haven't really brought up is 
is vision. Yeah, there you go. No one is going to accomplish anything without that vision. You know, right. and I would, I would, I'm not even going to say this as advice. I'm going to challenge everybody who listens to this mm-hmm. that if you're not carving out time in your day of the vision that you want to work toward, and whether that's as an athlete, as a as a business owner, as a somebody changing careers, as a partner, as a mate, as a father, as a whatever, um, that then you have no direction. Right? Yeah. You're working toward a goal, but that's a that's a hard stop. That's an event. That's a point in time. The vision is the thing that keeps you going, informs those behaviors we're talking about. I'm just the kind of person who takes full accountability for their emotional wake in a meeting. Okay, that's the vision you have. Those behaviors shake out. Mm. No, you know, there's no equivocation as far as what that person looks like. I'm just the kind of person who, who feels as though mind-body connection is the most important thing as an athlete. Mm. And so what does that mean? I don't skip a day of meditation. I listen to myself when I'm in pain. Mm. All the things shake out. Those behaviors will just shake out from that vision. And if you mm. and you know, and if you don't have that, in many ways, you're just kind of grafting values on without understanding what the whole of where you, what you want to be walking around at. Right. It's incredible. Yeah, I agree. And I would even say that <clears throat> I'm trying to think through this because how many people do that? I would I would say the vast majority of people go through life without articulating a vision and what, so yep. what happens? You, you, you follow the natural impulses of the body, I think, which are minimize discomfort, maximize happiness. Mm-hmm. And what does that lead to? It leads to everything, everything that a thoughtful person might complain about in modern society, the, right. you know, valuing, uh, valuing things that aren't, all that meaningful ultimately because of mm-hmm. the dopamine hit that they give or the, or, or the time that they theoretically give back to you. You know, it's funny. Um, my friend Ty, I'm gonna have to tag him in this. My friend Ty sent me a, a poem by Charles Bukowski. I gotta look mm-hmm. it up, man. I gotta do it. I'm sorry. I'm a big book fan, you know, and, and I'll say this, I think as you're, as you're looking for this, I think it's important yeah. that people understand that like, Having a goal is not going to shake out those behaviors. No, yeah, that's if right. You have a goal, like my goal is win the Super Bowl. Well, <clears throat> if you have that goal, but not the behavior of I'm the type of athlete who can go to the Super Bowl, you'll blow off a day of training. You might have, yeah. you know, French fries with your cheeseburger because because you have your goal still. Right. So that. But if you have a vision of yourself as the person who's going to get there, yeah, that doesn't jive with the values of that. Different. Vision. He, totally. And, and that's, that's, I appreciate you bringing that up because that's one of the most important language distinctions that, that we'll often make when we first start to meet with people, consult mm-hmm. teams or organizations is a, a goal is, is, is just a sort of a signpost along the way, you know, and on this path toward a, a greater purpose or, or, or vision. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think you're right. Too many people think of goals as, you know, these end goals. Not, not it. Yeah. Yeah. Not it. All right. So I'm going to, um, should I read the whole poem? Is should we add poetry to this? I mean, Bukowski has been a big favorite of mine since, you know, Oh really? For, yeah. For years and years. Okay. So, I'm going for it. it. Yeah. And, and there's a reason I, I bring this up in the context of this pursuit of minimizing discomfort and maximizing happiness. Ty Burke. Uh, here you go, man. So it's called air and light and time and space. 
you know, I've either had a family, a job, something has always been in the way, but now I've sold my house. I've found this place, a large studio. You should see the space and the light. For the first time in my life, I'm going to have a place and the time to create. No, baby, you're going to create, excuse me, if you're going to create, you're going to create whether you work 16 hours a day in a coal mine or you're going to create in a small room with three children while you're on welfare. You're going to create with part of your mind and your body blown away. You're going to create blind, crippled, demented. You're going to create with a cat crawling up your back while the whole city trembles in earthquakes, bombardment, flood and fire. Baby, air and light and time and space have nothing to do with it. And don't create anything except maybe a longer life to find new excuses for. Yeah, I think that's so great. That's yeah. so perfect. Does that, does that fit? How many people are looking for more convenience to get more time to ultimately do not a lot? Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of people also have this notion, this, and like you said, this notion of the things that are not important that they use to supposedly bolster this goal or this vision yeah. of themselves. Like, if you know what, if I set the scene, Mm-hmm. I can walk into it and I'll be that person. Hmm. Like if I have, you know, I'll be a successful leader if I have the corner office and once I have that, you know, the Range Rover and I have an assistant, right? Those are the, those are superfluous props. You haven't defined that vision of what a successful leader looks like. Right. So you're never going to have the behaviors that shake out to get you there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the same with athletes too. Yeah. Oh, if once I have that medal, once I have the right equipment, once I have the home gym, once I have this personal trainer, mm-hmm. if I set that scene and walk into it, I'm that athlete. That is literally the opposite of what you need to be doing. Yeah, that's really good. Okay, <clears throat> I'm going to put you on the spot down our final stretch here. All right. What's your vision? So I think my vision is to, is to help people problem solve in their own lives by asking them things they would never ask themselves. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm really interested in that. I, I think there's so much that I see in myself that could be completely fixed that I get people asking me questions about in my own life. And that's been really powerful. Yeah. You know, like, oh, I'm so stuck in this. I can't get through it. Mean, and then somebody asked me a question that is right in front of my very face. And because I think, you know, our ego or our, our hesitancy to um, challenge ourselves and just being uncomfortable with tough conversations with ourselves, we don't really ask ourselves those questions. Right. You know, and, we, and then we can't answer them, right? And we can't fix things. We can't move forward in our lives. Very right. much about behaviors. You know, uh, you know, I really wish that I could feel as though I um, could take more chances and, and feel confident. In them. Mm. Okay, well, I'm not asking myself those questions and I, that way I can't give myself those answers. A really good coach right. asks those questions. And so my vision is to be the kind of person that, you know, in the, my professional life, in my personal life, doesn't give advice, but helps people see like their infinite potential. Yeah. Like that's, that would be something that to go into, to be in somebody's life, help them see their infinite potential would be, pretty rewarding that's incredible 
I agree. And I would put that very much in the category of visibility, because I think that's, as mm. we've talked about before, that's very much, that's my approach in this work all the time is mm-hmm. to try to shine a light on sort of the unseen corners of one's mindsets, behaviors, whatever mm-hmm. they might be, um, so that we can put the pieces together in a more fruitful way, yeah. uh, which is, which is obviously not absent of vision and purpose and all those things, but um, yeah, well, I and like I that a lot. Thanks. I think it's interesting too, to think about that, doing it for an individual and also doing it for a team or organization, right. right? you know, why, what questions are you not, what are we not talking about? What is the right. most important thing you're not asking yourself Yeah. as a person, as a team, as an organization, that's a, that's a great role to, to play in, yeah. in the life of other people. It, totally. And, and man, does that just, what you said is I think fully aligned with what we just previously said, because if you don't have someone who is uh, coming in in pursuit of assessment, not judgment and just bringing visibility to these, mm-hmm. you know, hidden corners of uh, leadership operations, one's own life, whatever. Well, what do you do? You, you default to those things we just talked about. You don't address them because you're trying to minimize discomfort, maximize happiness. Why would you address that hard stuff all the time? Right, right. So instead of being called out on it, it sounds like someone like you asks the questions that allow them to arrive at these things that they're going to have to wrestle with eventually. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, without judgment. I mean, I think great without, coaching right. is really about lack of judgment. Like, you know, it seems like you're afraid to do this thing. Is that true? Right. Yes, it is. All right. Well, is it important for you to have to do that? Like, those yeah, are really right. interesting, hard questions. Like, I don't, that's not a judgment. Like, okay, don't start your own business. Don't try for that higher long jump. Don't right. move from, you know, defensive tackle to whatever. Yeah. That's okay. You don't have to but do if that. If you right. want to do that, I want to ask you, what's making you afraid to do that. Right. Right. And then once you, once you go down this track enough, you say, and why did you eat four cheeseburgers the other night? Because, but again, that's only an accountability to the thing that they've articulated that they want for themselves. That's not, you told me you want to be the type of person who could be moved from peanut vendor to defensive tackle. Yeah. Okay. Are the things you just did in line with the behaviors of that person? Yeah, right. Fair enough. I, uh, I'll tell one quick story and then I'll, I, we can, as we mentioned, we were talking before this, we can make this a, uh, we can have as many repeat appearances as you'd like. So this, there's nice. an open invitation, nice. uh, but for, for take of time today, I'll, I'll, I'll bring up one kind of funny story. The, uh, yeah. we had a, we had an offensive lineman, wonderful human being. And, and pretty big recruit, ended up getting a Division One scholarship. He was huge. He made the decision that he wanted to cut a couple pounds. Um, this was, you know, and, and that's actually, as, as you know, it's a, that is a, you have to be very thoughtful uh, when talking to someone about body image and weight cut, especially at that age. And, you know, I'm not a registered dietitian, so I didn't, I was not getting involved in any of that. <clears throat> but he said, uh, he said he wanted to. So I said, sure. And I, and I said, look, I, I always preface it with this. I'm not a registered dietitian, but here's what I've come to understand. A lot of this is just math, you know, certain amount of calories. If you're in surplus, you gain, if you're in, you know, if you, if, and if you cut calories and you, you're in a deficit, then you, then you lose. Um, you want to do that thoughtfully. You want to make sure that you're prioritizing health 
way over weight loss, health first, weight loss distance second, if it aligns with your goals and you say you want it. Anyway, he wasn't losing any weight. And I was like, hey, buddy, you know, what's what's going on? Is everything OK? I'm telling you, I said it almost exactly like this. I'm not like sugarcoating. Uh, he and he was like, he was like, I don't know what's going on. I only I only eat apples pretty much. Like he's only snacking. I'm like, okay. Uh, like I'm not convinced about that. Just based yeah, yeah. on, but but I hear you. And I'm not joking. It couldn't have been two days later. Uh, I was in the process. I was actually playing football at the time, so I was intentionally trying to bulk. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was in a different position, but I'm, it was not two days later that I was driving around looking for something to eat. All that was open was a late, it was a uh, shake shack drive through late at night. Yeah. And yeah. I'm and two cars ahead of me was him in the front yeah. seat of the car. I was like, I don't think they sell apples here, <laughs> but, uh, but that's uh, uh, yeah, there you go. But that's the picture. It's, it's, it's uh, behavioral accountability aligned with the outcome that they want. And, and we're not scolding them. You know, we laugh about it still, but it's, but you're bringing a visibility um, and asking questions that allow them to be the best version of themselves in the most ideal of situations in service of the team. So, and I think to bring it back, I'll end it with this, bring it back completely around in that way, the best vision of a leader is a coach that way Hmm. all in all that multiplicity of that word means. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, man. That's good. I like that. Uh, well, okay. Well, thank you. Here's what I'll say. Thank you for being with us. Totally. I know that there are things that are, that our audience are going to be able to pick up and take away right away. Um, Thank you for all the work you're doing, helping enhance people's lives. Uh, it is, I, we've talked about this. I know it's a fun thing to do, uh, which does not take away from the fact that it's an important thing to do and that, that, that people's lives, if we do our jobs correctly, uh, are ultimately better for it. So uh, yeah. thank you for all of that. No, you're very welcome. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. This is a thrill and um, we'll talk soon. We will talk soon. All right. Have a wonderful day. You too, Jim. Thanks. Do you need business cards? Do you need flyers, posters, custom thank you notes, or any sort of stationery to take your business to the next level? If so, then you've got to see the good people at Mighty Printing. They've got two locations. One of them's up north in Glencoe, Illinois. The other is right in the heart of Chicago on 180 West Washington Street. They do most of the printing for the Good Athlete Project, and we just could not do our business without them. They've also worked with teams like the Chicago Bulls and the Chicago Blackhawks. They've worked with Let Us Entertain You Restaurant Group. They do holiday cards. They do wedding cards. They help you. They help you not only celebrate special occasions, but make them that much more special. And like I said, if you are a small business owner or a large business owner, they will give you the sort of personalized service combined with incredibly high quality goods. You just can't find that combo, honestly, anywhere else. Find them online at mightyprint.com. That's M-I-T-E print, P-R-I-N-T dot com. And on Instagram, same thing, at mightyprint, M-I-T-E print. And tell them the Good Athlete Project sent you.